you start running after you Make you look like a fool Stop and slow more I can see it In the headline news Do you want to make a scene Or make a statement you'll regret This is the one you've all been asking for. A man who just by the mention of his name is making you smile just about now. He's a singer, a songwriter, a mathematician, a teacher, a mentor, a husband and father. And if you're connected to Greg Murray in any of these ways, you know he's a very special guy with a big Irish heart and a smile on his face. He's a very dear friend of mine and I've been looking forward to this podcast for some time. Recorded over Zoom during lockdown, we began by exploring his Irish roots. As always, this podcast is brought to you by the Joe Gilligan Trust. I mean, going back to, well, the, the town I was brought up in is a wee town called Lurgan, and it's in Northern Ireland. It's, it's the bottom right-hand corner of Loch Ness in Northern Ireland. Uh, it's not a big town. It's, it's uh, about 30 miles directly west from Belfast uh, and it's the sort of place where it's a mixture of Catholic and Protestants and growing up in the Troubles um, there was always a bit of tension there was always something going on um, brought up in um, you know just on a state in, in Lurgan and really tight knit everybody knew everybody else and what they were up to and what they were doing um, because of that then <clears throat> pardon me, nothing was ever sacred. Uh, 
being a, a practicing Catholic, you know, mass was the big deal of a Sunday and everyone got dressed up and met there and, and, uh, and, and we got to know and, and appreciate and love everybody, you know, around that sort of network of friendship, you know. Uh, primary school, Tannockmore Primary School, I remember it fondly. It was about, you know, five minutes walk from my house. Uh, secondary school, uh, we used to have to go through the Protestant area <laughs> to get to St. Paul's Junior High School. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that, is that uh, where you used to throw the stones at them, is it? We did. Is that where we the did. famous the throw stones at the Proddies? <laughs> that's, that's why I've got a deadly accurate right arm. You know? <laughs> I can pick the Protestants off. Yeah. But you mustn't buy <laughs> Don't worry, we'll edit that out. <laughs> you can edit it out this out. I can pick off the Protestants from about, you know, 200 feet. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, but no, it was, it was a weird thing. It was, we had to walk through from Lurgan through to Shanko, and uh, you knew it was Protestant whenever they had the, uh, you know, the, <laughs> they used to have the, uh, the, 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 the tricolor on one side of the state, and then, <laughs> and then the, the, the Queen's flag and the arms on the other side, you know. But uh, no, that were fun times, and uh, and it was crazy because he used to play golf with uh, as a bit of a background as well, and, and it was funny because you would you would go and play golf on the weekend and on the summer holidays, and most of the players that were all my really good friends were all Protestants, and there was one episode in particular where I remember being with all my Catholic friends and and going through the park to make a way to the swimming baths. It must have been only maybe eleven or twelve at this time in St Paul's, and we used to. Uh, used to uh, be chased by these Protestants, you see, as you do, you know. And, uh, I, and then all of a sudden, one of the lads turned around and he says, stop, 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 stop. It's Giggy Murray. It's Giggy Murray. That was my nickname at the time. It was Giggy Murray. Uh, and uh, it was Darren Clark. And he was a, you know, great golfer. And, and he, <clears throat> pardon me, he stopped and he says, stop, everybody. Stop. It's Giggy Murray. I played golf with him on the weekend. He's, 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 a, he's a great guy. <laughs> Let's leave him alone. <laughs> so that was just, I mean, that was the idea. It was such a surreal time, a strange time. Growing up in Lurgan, because you did have this hostilities at one time, but you didn't know why. You didn't know what brought you into that. And then junior high school into the St. Michael Senior High School. And, uh, and that was, again, from one side of the town back to my side of the town. And, went on there. I loved it there. It's the first time, you know, the girls came brought into the, into the mix then, uh, which would never have been taught with girls before. I went on to be head boy of that place and I loved yeah. it. It was a So it, was, it wasn't that much of a barrier being in the troubles or, or, I mean, did you find a way around it? Yeah, it, it was, I mean, the, the only barrier you could find was that you, you, you knew there was a, a huge presence of police. You knew there was a huge presence of army uh, or UC and all the rest. But everything about it was there were always something there. But that never hindered anything. It was a strange... Uh, it's weird because whenever I, I went on to Queens and Belfast and, and then from there over to England, then I can remember fondly coming back from England and going to visit my mum and dad. And one day in particular, going out to visit some friends out in Nahalid. And uh, I can remember stopping at a, it was a, it was a police uh, where, where they would stop you in the road and say, where are you going, all the rest of it. And I can rem remember driving the car and winding the window down. And there was a young English lad and he says, can I have your license, please? And I says, well, I'm only visiting my mum and dad. I'm over from England. And I looked 
and across the way I could see this gun pointing at me and I'd never been spooked before, you know? Right. But after been after been away from this and coming back into this melting pot again, I felt the tension, uh, you know, from a third party. And it was a, it was lovely just to break away from that and come back to England after a while, you know? Yeah. So one of the things you said earlier about that, that guy who kind of saved you from getting a bit of, you know, beating up really, that your your coping strategy was to just be kind of to try and get on with people yeah, try and be a nice yeah. guy and try and be um, as friendly yeah, as you could. I mean, yeah i mean it's a strange it was a strange setup because no matter where you looked as i say you know and even going to university in queens and belfast there was always that friction there was always that tension you knew which part of the town not to be visiting you knew which part of the city not to be going you knew from your surname of different people, whether they were Catholics or Protestants, uh, just whether they were, you know, sectarian, whether they, they were they were interested in pursuing some aggravation. And you mm. tend, therefore, to avoid that. You tend to, to walk away from that. You wouldn't, you, I'm not an aggressive person, and therefore you, you knew when to turn a blind eye and walk away, you know, and you, and you didn't welcome any of that sort of shenanigans, sure. you know. <clears throat> and so you, you grew up there with, with brother and mum and dad? Yeah, well, my yeah. Oh, oh, um, older sister, Edel. Oh, oh, they had older sister. I didn't know that. Yeah, no, you haven't mentioned my sister. She's a primary school teacher down in oh, Surrey. Yeah, maybe yeah. you have, maybe you have. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's, she's a handful of years older than me. And then my wee brother, Andrew, as well. And growing up with him, and, and he was a couple of years my junior. Uh, and I even had a, another uh, baby brother, which was in between Andrew, but he, he only survived a couple of weeks. You know, that was Sean oh. Patrick. Uh, so that was another one as well, you know. So yeah, so my mum was, uh, you know, there's four kids in total, uh, and uh, you know, lovely town, as I said, lovely background, very privileged, as you know, because we, we got whatever we needed, pretty much, you know. So yeah. it, it was a, it was a good bringing. You so you know, you, 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 it was a happy time for you. Look, looking back, it was definitely when you, when you think back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And was definitely. it? Was it was it always kind of maths and music then, or, or was it just, you know, you, you were obviously an academic student. Was it was music part well, of your life when you were? Well, it was it was it was it was a strange thing because I, I originally, I mean, I was quite a reclusive, uh, and I worked hard. As you know, uh, I lived in my bedroom. I worked hard, done a lot of revision, and and I didn't have an awful lot of interest outside of school you know and yeah. uh, I, I doubled with a bit of uh, saxophone initially you'd be proud of me craig yes yeah, hey, so, uh, yeah. Grade, grade, grade five saxophone. grade five i remember yeah one hey. read <laughs> <laughs> lasted the whole time <laughs> <I did. laughs> it was the pleasant sound that i could deliver from the saxophone you know? but i mean it was like a hoover <laughs> it was it was even worse than a hoover. but it was uh, i mean at, at the time uh you know it, it, it was weird because studies took precedence, obviously. I had yeah. a small little cluster of friends, uh, you know, played, played a little bit of golf on a weekend. And, and then all of a sudden I discovered singer-songwriters, I discovered bands in Northern Ireland, I discovered music, and, and I doubled. I didn't pick up a guitar, didn't think of writing anything, didn't do any of that sort of carry-on at all. But as you say, the studies took precedence. And... I went down the route of, of not, not mathema uh, mathematics or anything like that. It was more, I was interested in architecture. I was interested in design. I was interested in the aesthetics of something. And, 
And I remember going for an interview to do this uh, this architecture in, in Queens and Belfast, because really there's only there's only one. Well, there's a couple of universities in Belfast, but the, the one that's a wee bit more <clears throat> excuse me a wee bit higher in the packing order was Queens and Belfast, and uh, and I went there for the open day. And I can remember going into the architecture department and saying, uh, yeah, I'm very interested in this architecture. Here's a long course, uh, and, uh, but tell me what I need. And this is after, I mean, it was only a couple of months after finishing the A-level. So this is, you know, a year and a half down the road of already doing, you know, maths and sciences for A-levels. Uh, and, then, and then I went in and, uh, and this gentleman said, well, let me have a look at your portfolio. And I went, portfolio what's a portfolio uh, I, I inevitably i've wrote a song about this you know down the years but uh, and, and all these people were around this table you know and, and out of the blue they produced these like a zero size portfolios unzipped them and i came all the artwork and a level art and a level technical and all this stuff and i went Art? You need art for architecture? <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> you can you can edit this out. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> and, and the guy looked at me and he pretty much says, "Yes, son, uh, you have to do your level art." And I went, oh, "Come on, let me in without that." Nope, sorry. And I done the maths and further maths and whatever else, all you know, uh, yeah. and the physics and everything. And therefore, I, I don't know. I, I didn't. I didn't have a career advisor in order to tell me to do this. And believe it or not, I left that architecture, um, that campus, that part of Queen's University up in Stranraer. And next door was the engineering department. <laughs> and I went in. I went in next door, and I said, "Yeah, we'll have you. Come on in." <laughs> and that was it. And I didn't even have an interest in engineering, but. There was a bit of maths in the background of that, and uh, you know. So all, the rest, the, all that the, you did really was join the wrong queue. I joined the wrong, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> you joined. You joined the. You you just went in the wrong door. That's all it was. Seen, they seen me coming. I think they seen the money and thought, yeah, yeah, yeah you can get more money for this extra student. You may join this queue, you know. So, so I fell in backwards pretty much. And what year was this? Oh, don't talk about years, God Almighty! That's a long time ago. It's uh, Where are we? It was early nineties, that sort of time, you know. I'm thinking what what the kind of soundtrack to your life would have been then? Would it have been bands like Van Morrison? Yeah, it yeah, would have been, was... It would have been Springsteen. It would have yeah. been all that sort of. Uh, I mean, even lots of the soul stuff, you know, lots of the the, the Sam and Dave things, lots of the the Blues Brothers. Uh, lots of U2 coming through, the Adventures, Undertones coming through. Uh, yeah. and I remember around about that time going to see, uh, uh, who was it? Um, just trying to think. Well, U2 were playing in Crow Park on that, on that same summer. So uh, I'm not sure what year that was, but I can remember going to see U2 play. And that was a Joshua Tree tour. Yeah, and, you two were huge then, weren't they? At that, they at were, that time period, absolutely right. And the Hot House Flowers were supporting that time. I think that's about the time the Hot House Flowers done um, the Eurovision Song Contest. They'd done the, the middle thing, and yeah. uh, it, it was it was crazy. But in that same summer, the Hot House Flowers were busking in Belfast, and I uh, I threw fifty pence into the basket for them. And Liam, the lead singer, gave me a big smile and a high five. <laughs> <laughs> And the other guy, I think the guitar player was called Fikna, and, and he uh, he was he was playing acoustic guitar. And I thought to myself, "Oh, that's a beautiful guitar." It was a Leiden. He was playing a Leiden acoustic guitar, busking in the middle of Belfast. And I thought, "Who plays a Leiden?" Now Leiden started yeah. about five, six, 
£6,000, you know, for a half wow. decent one. And they're Belfast made, you know. So at this at this point for you, you know, musically, the saxophone had gone. You were dabbling yeah. with some guitar, were you? Were you, were you? Dab, dab. Well, no, I, I hadn't touched it. I mean, the, the first time I touched a guitar was about, it was about, my cousin had one, and I was about 13 or 14. And he had a beautiful, it was a, it was, I think it was a Yamaha 12 string, something like that. And I can remember grabbing it and, and thinking to myself, oh, this is lovely. And it was a, but it had, a, pardon me, one of those V-necks, so I couldn't reach all the way around, you know. Uh, and I thought, well, that's lovely. But I put it back and it didn't, it didn't take an interest on me because I had no inclination in writing material or being original. And at the meanwhile, uh, I had my, my tenor saxophone. And I just loved jamming and I jammed lots of bits. And Born to Run solo was mine. Oh, I was all of that. Clarence no, Clemens. What a man. Clarence. Yeah. And God rest him. His, his, son, his son plays with the band now, doesn't he? I think. It's his nephew, apparently. Oh, it's his nephew. It was, okay. Indeed. And he's touring the world with him now. Not as big a sound, obviously, but you couldn't be any bigger than Clarence no, Clemens. No, no. But still, no. He, does, he does lots of the solo justice. Yeah. But I, I love the saxophone for that, you know? So taking me back then now, let's just, let's just drop, drop back into university then. So you you completed the engineering degree, was it? I did, I did. And at the time, uh, I, I can remember, I went for an interview for, a, for an engineer position and it was in, 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 in London. And I came across, and at the time I was, uh, I was dating my wife-to-be, you know. So, this, so did, you, did you meet Jerry at university? Yeah, I met her at oh. university. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was the first year of university, and it was it was a weird thing because, but university for her, uh, she lived out, well. She I'm from Lurgan. She was from a little village outside of Lurgan, about three or four miles outside uh, Ballymoney, and she went to university in Belfast. I'd done exactly the same thing, and we were coming back on the train, met each other. There was there was a there was a mutual friendship. There was a few friends that she knew that I knew, and that was the connection there. And I can remember. Uh, right about the same time, I went for an interview uh, because she had uh, expressed an interest in going over to work in the ceramic industry in Stoke-on-Trent. Ah, okay. And and I had uh, and I says, oh, okay, let's see what's going on. So I, I opened up my search for jobs then as an engineer, doing electrical and electronic engineer uh, in London. Then and there was a couple. There was a one in Manchester and one in London, and in the same sort of time, and I thought, well, I'll go to London and see what it's like. So. It was in Canary Wharf, and I can remember going, and uh, I, got a, a, I got a flight over, and I can remember then getting from Heathrow, or was it Gatwick? I'm not sure, one of, the, one of the bigger ones, and actually getting the train across to Canary Wharf. And I can remember this interview, <coughs> pardon me, it was around about 11 or 12, lunchtime, and I had everything planned out, my route, I had my suit ready, and all the rest of it. And, uh, and I can remember making my way across. Uh, there was this, uh, the Canary Wharf. It's like, a, there's a railway line. It's like one of those suspended ones, very futuristic at the time. And I can remember uh, the IRA were bombing up Canary Wharf and what have you. And I, I didn't make it for this interview till about three in the afternoon. And I got there outside this huge building in Canary Wharf. You could actually see, <clears throat> pardon me, how beautiful this place was, you know? coming in on the Canary Wharf on the monoline. And I looked down and I seen everyone outside this building. There must have been maybe four or 500 people all sipping coffee and all suited and booted and looking very professional. And I wondered to myself, what the hell is going on? And I landed in there and I can remember making my way up uh, 
through the crowd and I says, what's happening? And they says, yeah, there's an incendiary device. I think the IRA put a bit of a bomb. And I didn't know that until I got off the rail, you see. And I knew this was a delay. So I was worried about not making it to this interview. And I can remember going in for the interview and shaking the hands of this director of this company and uh, this engineering company. And, and there I was with this Belfast accent. And they had stood out the whole blinking morning from 11 o'clock in the day to three in the afternoon because the IRA had been held the bloody place ransom, you know. Goodness so me. I didn't go to, uh, needless to say, I didn't get the job that day, you know. No. So. <laughs> but do you think that was, that was purely based on your accent? He was making judgments. Well, that must have been, in the, you know, we mentioned barriers well, earlier. The, the yeah, accent was it, a barrier in the UK, I suppose, was it, well, this time? De- def- definitely. And I mean, I mean, for all days, for that to be the case, I think they, they, they weren't prepared to interview anyone with an Irish accent that day, definitely. But I mean, saying that, it's a, uh, at the time, you know, coming across from Ireland, there was always that sort of aspect of, of seeking employment uh, with this accent. And, and at the time, what was going on politically and, and what was going on with the IRA and everything else besides, you know. And I can remember even making my way up to Kiel. And whenever uh, my girlfriend then got a position in Wedgwood <clears throat> as a ceramic designer, uh, just to plan for jobs also, in Kiel, you know, a plan for or sort of registration in the university as well. And I can remember talking to people and even, you know, being in the union in Kiel University and, and people actually, you, you know, you know, turn a, you know, turn up their noses a little bit with the accent. I mean, I, I felt at the time there was a little bit because of the troubles, because what was going on in Manchester and Birmingham and all the rest of it, you know, but definitely there was aspects of that no matter where you went, you know, there really, really was. <clears throat> so before, um, before you came to the UK, though, and after university, did you not travel, you and Jerry? Yeah, 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 right? yeah, absolutely well, right. We, uh, we went to, uh, well, it was, it was a dumb thing in Lurgan, uh, around about that time, uh, to, to head across to New York, actually. And, uh, and it's, it's crazy, but... I remember, you know, my mum and dad at the time, it was either um, the Irish went to Australia in the 60s and 70s, or they went across to, to the East Coast of America uh, around about that time. And, uh, and even my, my mum and dad, um, they at the time were so tempted to go to Australia, we could have been brought up in Australia. And it was almost a toss of a coin, they explained to me, that, um, that my mum's best friend, Rosemary, actually her and her partner went across to Australia and the idea was you go there for six months, test it out if you like it, you stay on, if you don't, you come home. Lots came home, but a lot stayed as well. And the same thing went to, went to America and it was weird, but whenever Jerry and I and lots of friends from the town decided to go to New York, we went across to New York to work. And at the time uh, you could apply for a visa, you see, you could apply for a green card or you could try it out a bit like Australia. You could try it out for a few months, see if you like it. And we did that. And we went to New York and we got off the flight in JFK. It must have been about 50 of us. And at the time, this is whenever we used to have, um, <clears throat> pardon me, you'd have the emigration in Shannon. So you'd fly to Dublin uh, or make your way down to Dublin, first of all, and then fly from Dublin across to Shannon. And then you went through emigration there. And then from there, you went across to New York. But obviously with New York, um, the jobs were very prestigious. So they would push you down the east coast of America. They would pick it uh, down to places like Atlantic City, 
uh, down to uh, the place where we inevitably went down to, which was Cape May. And while we were in New Jersey, and we were down there, and uh, and we worked, I mean, we'd work from probably the end of May whenever you, uh, the university stopped. So for every three years of the university, for three years that we were there, uh, we spent our summers working in Wildwood on Cape May, Atlantic City, all on the boardwalk, doing numerous jobs. We'd done everything. I was a chairman maid. Uh, I can tell you lots of stories about that, but I won't because... Chairman <laughs> maid. Chairman maid was a good job. I worked in an ice cream, uh, the seashell ice cream parlor. Jerry and I worked there. A whole team of people. We all ran this time. I seriously. bet you saw some scenes working as a chambermaid. I bet you oh. saw some. Uh... <laughs> oh my goodness! Were you, were you ever tempted to make a home over in the states? Were you ever t- yeah, tempted to stay there? Definitely. And, and and to this day, I've still got some friends who we met there and have gone on to live there. Uh, one of them's gone on to live down in Florida. Another one stayed in New York. And even uh, uh, my, my, my granny's best friend who worked in the aircraft industry during the Second World War, her name was Bridie Gallagher, she's dead now, God rest her, but she set up in New York and we went and visited her uh, a couple of times and uh, we had a great time with her and her family and what have you. But definitely we were really, really tempted we were. Yeah. I mean, there, there was one job in particular that Jerry uh, was going to go for, which is working for a company in uh, New Jersey called Lennox. It's probably they're, they're like the wage weight equivalent in America. They're huge. It's a company, a ceramic company called Lennox. And Jerry was offered a position there, but her visa didn't come through in time. And it was one of those things where we could have been, you know. And I would have, I'd, I mean, I'd gladly go. I, I went wherever she was pretty much, yeah. you know. But I mean, I'd love to end up in New York. I mean, that's that's an amazing place. I mean, as you know yourself, Craig. Oh, love it, no, love it. Talk, so how, how, long in, how, how long in total were you travelling for then before you, you, you okay. decided to settle? I mean, uh, well, well, there was a, each, it was from May, June, July, and then you'd work all of August. So you're talking, you know, the guts of four months right through the Labour Day, and that was three consecutive years. Right. So that was pretty much a year in total spent in America yeah. working. And going from, I mean, most of those times we'd afford uh, holidays to go and we went to different cities, Boston, Philadelphia, even made our way down the East Coast, down to the, to the Caribbean, down to the Bahamas. Oh, place. Wonderful. You know, beautiful Fantastic. places to see. <clears throat> but, but you ended up in Stoke-on-Trent. Stoke-on-Trent. <laughs> <laughs> Philadelphia, the Caribbean, or the Potteries. Caribbean of the batteries, but we ended there's, up on Silver. No, 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 no competition. Was that was that be, be, because Jerry worked for Wedgwood? Was that the reason that yeah, you, you decided? Because yeah. you didn't come here to. Because then no. you were working in accountancy. Am I right? And then you you made yeah. the switch to teaching. Well, um, because after doing engineering, we couldn't get jobs, and we, we uh, most of the, the the engineers in the class. We were, at the time, there was something called the European Social Fund, and everyone applied to be a master's. So we'd done a master's in accountancy, and that was a couple of extra years. And we'd done one in Belfast, uh, and then we'd done one because I could, I could split it. So I could do one in, in, in one university, and I could finish it off. And I went across then to uh-huh. Stoke on Trent, to Kiel, and then we'd done, uh, finished the master's there in accountancy. Uh, and then I worked for a couple of companies, uh, you know, around this area as well, just freelancing for just doing the basic accounts for a little bit. Uh, and all the while, you know, thinking, well, I, accountancy was, was cool. It was, it was a good profession to have. It was, you know, it was, it was a good thing, uh, very stable. But it, it didn't have 
flair. They didn't have something that I wanted more. Uh, and talking to some friends who were and still in accountancy, the balance of book was a wonderful thing. I mean, that's why I've got great skills in maths and Excel and everything else besides. Yeah. But it's not the be all or the end all, just to balance the books and to make someone else happy. And you're always counting somebody else's money instead of your own money. <laughs> instead <laughs> of your own, yeah. <laughs> so there, was, there was, a, was a particular light bulb moment when you thought, I need to make a change here and I need to do something yeah. else. Or was yeah. it a gradual I mean, thing? Or? No, well, it was, it's one of those things where you appreciate that the more you're doing this thing, the more you're disliking this thing. And, and I weaned my, myself off that. Uh, and, and by doing so, you know, you know, I was thinking to myself, well, I've got to do something that I like. And, 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 and there was only one taster of that. I remember going back into my, to my, my old high school and doing an invigilation session, uh, which is a wee bit of extra cash, doing a little bit of that. And I thought to myself, well, a wee bit of the teaching, I enjoy you know, working with these kids and the interaction is fabulous and maybe a little bit of the engineering, a little bit of the accountancy, common denominator been the maths maybe, would suit me. So I'd done a, a PGCE uh, at Keele and I'd done a little bit of the maths and the ICT and I got that sorted out and, uh, and I managed to get a, a job up in Maidley, out in yeah, the village. Was that, was that your first was, school? Maidley was your first school? That was, that, that was my first school and they yeah. sent you to different I remember going to a couple of different schools a couple of middle schools even a couple of primary schools and uh and nipping, a bit off high school was another one uh and then eventually ended up at st joseph's you know best yeah. school on the planet absolutely. you know where i met your good self absolutely your first um employed teaching job was at mainly there was it that was yeah, where you were first and then you came to st that's absolutely yeah. right how long and, were you there then, for I was there for five years, actually. Oh, five years? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And one of the best bits of that was backstage managing uh, all the drama oh, and okay. all the, the, the theatre studies and the music and the assemblies. I loved that. I, that was something that, you know, and, and, and seeing the kids from that perspective was a far more interesting aspect than, than, than the teacher classroom environment you know being backstage and, and and working with the kids and seeing them perform and, and the light switching on for them was wonderful you know i 
Written by Greg Murray, performed by Greg Murray and the Seven Wonders. So, Greg, when you joined St. Joseph's, what was your first impressions? I, I'll tell you, Craig, it, it reminded me of um, St. Michael's Senior High School, a way back where I'd done my A-levels, GCSEs and what have you, uh, taught by Sisters of Mercy, or Sisters of No Mercy, as we used to call them. <laughs> uh, and uh, so it, it was very like that. Obviously, at the time, the, I think there was a, a couple of Christian brothers. There was a headmaster who was very religious, John Storr, as you know, well-respected, yes. you know, gentleman. Uh, and he was, he was a, a, a wonderful mentor. He used to do duty with him. And he should have been a priest, really, or maybe he was in a former life. He had a heart of gold. And, uh, so he, he, was, was throwing, he was the head, wasn't he, when you were He, he was the head, John Storr. That's yeah. right, that's right. And I used to do a duty with him on, on the Friday, and we were out in the playground, and and he would tell me all the bits and pieces and you know what he had learned down through the years and I used to go and see him you know once a fortnight where he would plan your career and you know where your yeah. strengths and weaknesses were and you know he was the sort of guy who would he would go around the school of a Friday you know before you know teachers going off into the weekend and wish them all good luck so it was a lovely it was a lovely uh, little safety bed it was a real brawly of protection yeah, <laughs> pardon me yeah. and very like what I was used to in, in, uh, in, my, in my, my first taste of, 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 of a high school. And again, that was very secluded, a little cul-de-sac of, of, of Lurgan. And again, mm. very religious and, and everything about it was, it just seemed to fit. The fit was, was ideal, you know, which I really, really enjoyed, you know. I found that man had sort of real gravitas without trying mm. he, he there was he did he did and and, and it was gained through never raising his voice or uh, no, he wasn't a man no, to shout there, was he or uh, no I, I i can never remember raising his voice and any time that you know that there was i, I, do, I do remember a couple of times <clears throat> pardon me where a child had had some little grievance or there was something that kicked off and and he would invite you know me as the form teacher for that child into the office and he would start by saying, you know, well, you've disappointed me. And, and, and the ch- that was enough. You know, that was That's enough. It. Just the fact that you had disappointed the headmaster. And yeah. he, he would always give you that olive branch. It was always a second layer. It was always another bit for, you know, for, for, for that child to make a second impression. You know, yes. and, and that yeah. was a great lesson for a yeah. teacher to pick up, for a young teacher, you know. And you know, starting out in a career, you know, and I know you've you've experience of John Stewart as well. So absolutely, fond, what year fond was memories. that then, Greg? What what? Oh, year that was. A, where was he? So it was. I think it was two thousand and one. It was the Christmas of two thousand and one. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd done. I'd done about ten years then. I'd been there ten years. God, yeah. When I first started, I, it was yeah. it was brother. Uh, the, the the Christian brothers were still there. Yeah, you had a taste of them. Yeah. Was, wow. Yeah, and it was. Uh, it was like it was like living and working in one huge scene of Father Ted. <laughs> Father Ted. <laughs> and you know oh. there was there was no way that we could have you know continued really. I think that's why no, John Stone was brought no. in to troubleshoot. Well, that, absolutely right. I think so. Uh, I think oh, I think back then there, there was the, 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 it was a a classless 
you know, school, the, the, the rules were very relaxed, weren't they? Oh, yeah, and You absolutely. could do what you wanted to do, you know. And, yeah. Uh, I, think, I think that worked both ways, I think, really. <laughs> and my interview for the job, Greg, and this is, this, this, I think I told you this before, Brother Locker has shown me the school phone bill. Yeah. He said, uh, right, fella, you've got the job, he said, but don't be making too many phone calls now. And he showed me the phone bill. We're in the red. We're in the red here we're now. In the red. On your way, you know. Yeah, we're don't in the red. Don't you add to that, that bill. Was it. Don't you add to right, that you'd be, you'd be in a lesson and he'd come in and turn the lights off. Oh, you know, oh, to save on the electricity. But it was, save the electricity. Oh, God, yeah. In set days, you'd be, you'd be done by was, midday. Midday be done, oh, that's it. Oh, wonderful. I can remember Nick Shorthouse, you know, he used to tell me about him having the good iron and, and, and nip out to, uh, to to grab a bottle of whiskey at lunchtime on a Friday and what have you, you know, yeah. <laughs> and oat cakes, you know. So it was fun times back then, you know. Oh. Well, we had we had characters that that uh, like Shorty. You just mentioned That's Nick right. Shorty. Yeah. He was a Nick Shorty. Character and, and Martin was, Sands and these people and Julie Potts, that. Potsy, yeah. Julie Potts as well. Leslie, you know, right. genuine characters, you know. Um, That's right. And, and Julia Popple we, as well. Popper, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We used to we used to be one one community with the prep school as well when I started. So you could have a year five oh. lesson and then a year yeah. twelve lesson. There'd be no. Oh my God. It was really God. About so your lessons were as fluid oh, as what? anything as well. I, I even <laughs> popped into one or two of them and showed my face, you know. Oh, but, um, oh nobody yeah. was on about the cameras and what have you back then, wasn't it? Oh, <laughs> you didn't have to show up. <laughs> But it would it would mean that we'd have two of two of everything. There would be two uh, whatever mass it was, or two carol service, two summer concerts, oh, two sports days. Yeah, everything was it. doubled up, so it was. Um, it was, wasn't it? No, but those those were the days, and those fond memories. But I felt that you know, getting my first position there, I felt that I'd landed on my feet. It was lovely. It was such a secure environment. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and friends, colleagues became friends, and. You know, and, and, and the social entity, the social aspect of the whole school is wonderful. And the people like yourself to knock about with and yeah. gravitate towards what were the interests with the music and all the rest of it. Because you always had that in your heart. Absolutely. And, that was maybe, and maybe that's where you and I took off in the pastoral sense from way back in those early days as well. I have not common denominator too, you know. I mean, when, you know? when, who, was, who was head of maths when you started then? Was that a big Val? Uh, it was, uh, well, I took over. Well, no, no, it wasn't. It was way before Val. Well, well no, Ken Lindley was head of maths. Ken, right. And I, right. I joined a second in maths. So Ken w- w- was head back then. Uh, and and we, had, we had great times in the department, you know. It was, uh, it was yeah. good times where you could, you know, you could do anything you wanted, pretty much. You know, you had a few ideas, and he says, "Yeah, let's give that a go." And you know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's not too dissimilar from today, really. But you do mm. know, you know, back then things were much more relaxed, and there was always more yeah. risk about what you did, and therefore the rewards sure. were far greater at the time. You know, you yeah, know? but it was, it was good. It was a good time. But I felt I landed on my feet, and as I say, very reminiscent to, and and you know, an Irish school, you know, yeah. and uh, yeah. and lots of the of the brothers were Irish at the time. Who they were just leaving while I was joining. That's you right. Know, you know, which is unusual. You know. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> a lot well, of Irish were, accents in the school. Yeah, absolutely. You know? They were just absolutely. they were just incredible guys to spend time with. They were just they just were so, you know, relaxed. Oh. There was no yeah, yeah, yeah. there was yeah. no rush. There was no problem. And, you know? and I think also as a young man yourself, there were lovely people and personalities and real charismatic people who who you would gravitate towards because you knew you were learning from them. Yeah, you know, you know, like John's store and people like that, where you knew how to handle things in the future. You knew you'd always to have things in reserve. You know, 
Yeah. And, uh, well, he and was, that was he the was thing. The, um, he was the guy who gave us that golden nugget when when we, you know, working together in the pastoral team. When you said always treat the people in front of you as if it was your own child, whatever own, he or she's child. done. Absolutely how would you want right. that? Yeah, if it's an old-fashioned telling yeah, off, then how would you, so be yeah. it. But I mean, he, 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 he said that to me a few times. He says, as long as you have that as your benchmark, you'll never go wrong. Yeah, and he was absolutely right, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and that's a little nuggets, as you say, a little gold nuggets like that. They go with you yeah. in the last to the distance. So whenever you're at the, the, <laughs> the end of your rope, you know, <laughs> yeah. there's, no more, there's no more plan D, E, F, and G. Yeah. You've got to think back to John's store and think, well, if this is my child... What, what would I want? And, and inevitably, that child will come back to, to do better. And the parents will come back to support you in, 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 in ways that you can, you can only imagine, you know, you know, which is, yeah. and that's what I mean, like yourself. I mean, who, I mean, I took a lot from you as well, fella. You know, you've got to be said, just watching uh-huh. you in action. And uh, a lot of teachers I know currently do the same thing. And, you know, so it's, oh, it's, nice it's what it's all about. It's, it's passing it on, isn't it? You know, yeah, well, we got we got to work we got to work together on the pastoral team, didn't we? Um, we did, didn't we? It was good fun. The, year ten <laughs> and eleven. So again, yeah, would, we would we have been about two thousand and seven yeah, when you came on to that six? Seven, something maybe? I think it was about yeah seven six or seven or around about then I think. Yeah. Uh, and I looked after tens and you elevens and yeah, and I think Rick. Well, Rick was moving on, wasn't Rick? Well, yeah. He was before me, am I right? He yeah. was, yeah, he was. And then and we then had that I, kind uh, of rotor of, uh, we, we would see the year group through. But then when that's right, you and I worked together, we stayed, didn't we, with one year group. That's you right, stayed with 10, right. I which, stayed which, with 11. Which was nice. Yeah, yeah. To, uh, and, but that, no, that was, it was lovely experiences, I think, you know, and, and sharing the same office. And it was a real hub of, yeah. of a community, wasn't it, for teachers as well? Yeah. Who, they, would, they would never pass your door without calling in. I mean, I mean I mean, much much to the misery of, of getting behind and work and everything else, but it was wonderful still to have them, wasn't it? Yeah, you know? it was. Which was I, can, oh. I can honestly say, Greg, the time we spent together in that pastoral office, I've, I've never laughed so much. We had some oh, great times. We they had were some, the best times, weren't oh, they? they and really, it, was, really were. it was a hub, wasn't it? We'd have all sorts of people yeah, appearing at the door. Yeah. Scott would be there from IT and then yeah. Steve yeah. Bryan would pop over and yeah. each one yeah. would leave laughing. We'd, we'd, That's true. You know, yeah. oh, no, I'm not coming back here again. Yeah. <laughs> <I know. laughs> uh, oh, even even though that. we would dealing with some serious stuff obviously sometimes that's true that's true but 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 i think staff they need to vent sometimes and i think we were there just as a sponge ball for them weren't we you yeah know? I, I the mean, not, not yeah i think i think i mean that was the staff but also for the kids as well whenever they wanted to release you know and they had to come in and grab a guitar or even grab a sponge ball or even yeah so they didn't have to you know hit a wall or something like this without any frustrations they had you know in their their personalities as well you know and i think Absolutely. a lot of a lot of kids who came into that office you know uh they haven't forgotten you know a lot of the interaction that we had with them you know and i think that that works i mean that's to me is far superior than getting a class full of a stars or, or grade oh. nines as they say now isn't it absolutely you know? yeah the fact you know? that the fact that the students who we've Interacted with through maths or yeah. music or the pastoral team still keep in touch. I think of is course. a wonderful thing. Of course it does. That, you know, you know, I'm putting together yeah. a, a document now of potential courses students can think about after A level music. Yeah, and yeah. I've been in touch with. I mean, you know, inundated with, you know, testimonials from former students. Mm. They just they just rush to what, and it's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Of course it does. Of course. Yeah. I mean, um, they're, I mean, they're, they're banging the doors up to say, listen, I remember what you've done for me. If there's any way that I can help you out. 
then just call. Yeah. Don't hesitate. You know, we're here for you. And that's a lovely thing. It really, really is. You know? It is. Absolutely I think it is. It is much more important, isn't it? As you say, than the, the grade nines and the. Yeah, grade absolutely. I mean, they, I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong. They're lovely as well. And, and knowing the satisfaction that the kids are gaining from that and carrying on in the careers. But what hits, you know, more in my mind is, you know, and, and closer to the heart than the head is that child coming back and thanking you for such and such, you know, an awards evening, throwing their arms yeah. around you and saying, you know, that's a wonderful thing, you know, it really, really is lovely. And that Absolutely. has been acquired through the pastoral route more so than, you know, maybe the music, maybe the, maybe the maths, you know, and, yeah. and I think that's, yeah. that's, that's good cred to, to the pastoral system that we had going at the college, mm, you know, Absolutely. and there's a lot to be said for that, you know. I think, I think it's the heartbeat of the school. I mean, having, you it know, is. being a, you know, subject leader now and having done both both mm. jobs it's both roles yeah yeah you you kind of as a as a pastoral leader you're a little mini part of everything aren't you you're mm. part of every mm. department in a small way you are you are and you're there to 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 help to problem solve and you, know, you are fires. But, i mean you know, you're, you're, a, you're you're almost the middleman between you know the teacher you know that your staff your friends your colleagues and the pupils yeah. themselves and you're trying to represent both in an yeah. equal ground, you know, and, and you're seeing both sides of the story and you've got to mediate so much. And mm. I think you're equally respected from the staff and likewise from the kids. So it's a, it's a, it's a very satisfying role, I must admit. Yeah. It really, really Absolutely. was, you know, definitely. And I, I think if you, can get the, if you can get the parents on board, you can solve most things. It's when, oh, you can, it's when we used to bump heads with parents that it was difficult, Oh, I know Because it's that. very difficult to yeah. move forward then. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, times, I, I, times. I think it was wonderful. As you used to say, you know, if you get the kids on board, They'll, they'll, they'll jump through fire for you. And I'm very used to saying it all the time, yeah. you know, which is great. And we did signpost to successes, didn't we? We did. We did. Yeah. <laughs> 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 if they don't uh, understand my accent most of the time. <laughs> when, you did your, when you did your routine with the radio mic about, uh, you know, how you set up your desk of an evening at home to study, oh, yeah. your parents were just goggle-eyed looking at them. They were going, what the place is going on? Oh, was, and our assemblies was, were, were getting more and more oh, like, you know, Saturday night, you know, variety t- TV show than there were anything else. Really. There was lights, there was music time, lights, the air system, dry ice. There was dry. everything, wasn't there? There was live music every single morning. <laughs> getting worse and worse. The same jokes. Yeah. I mean, the, the assemblies were meant to be like a half an hour duration. We were lucky to get them in with it, you know, oh. by an hour. I know. <laughs> What about the uh, rewards funny. assembly oh. where we do the same no. jokes? You know, the, the winners get the Greg Murray in the Seven Woods signed copy of the album. <laughs> or you can have nothing. Mm. What do you prefer? What I don't know. Oh, I'll have nothing, <laughs> sure. sir. I'll have nothing, please. <laughs> the first prize was a holiday before to the uh, Caribbean. Do you remember? <laughs> I do. Yeah, I do. Oh, oh we did good I don't know how we got away with it, really. But oh, I don't know how we did. Oh, we did the, have the a giggle, teachers, didn't we? The teachers used to queue up to come in to watch us. You know, it was funny yeah. just to uh, to see what was going on. But it was, Absolutely. it was hilarious. And most of the stuff we got away with, you know, you wouldn't get away with that now. <laughs> no, 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 you wouldn't. No, absolutely oh. not. No. But they were wonderful but, uh, times. They really there were. was, uh, you know, something I'll always be grateful for, though, Greg. Yeah, the risk risk of being a bit slushy here. You know, there was times when I struggled. You know that with no, with coping and things. Fun. And there was times when you were there for me and you had my back. And oh, I appreciate yeah, that indeed. very, very much. And I think we all need we all need yeah. that from time to time. Um, I know that. That's true, Fana. And it's 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 uh, it's hard because you, you know you know behind a lot of what's going on, there's a there's a lot of camaraderie and there's a lot of 
steel suits that we had to wear on a daily basis and, and yeah. a lot of the staff you know a lot of the staff could see that and therefore they could empathize and understand uh, and, and I think because of of being able to have a bit of laughter a bit of entertainment that was a release but it was also a real comfort blanket wasn't it, it was a real protection system for a lot of us Absolutely. And, 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 and I think Absolutely. a lot of a lot of staff could see that and could understand that you know yeah. and that that was yeah. something that 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 a lot of people respected from us. They could see that what we were doing, but behind it all, you know, there's another layer there of, of that onion that was a little more sensitive and we didn't have to show it off to anybody. And the way no. we protected ourselves was with humor and yeah. getting on with people and trying our best to help other people, you know, and, and they could see that as well, Craig. So I mean, credit Absolutely. to you as well, fella. You know, for well, hopefully, uh, hopefully there was, sincerity you know, sincerity to it as well, as well as the, yeah, that's right, know, fella. And I, th I think if St. Joseph's hadn't been such a sanctuary, I don't think I'd ever gone back to mm. teaching it again. I, you know, I, no, I, I know that. Day, I know that. I think, I think that, yeah. people like yourself and and, and oh. others, obviously Derek at the time, who, who I was yeah. still there, yeah. was still there then before he retired. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but um, but now we had some. Uh, oh, we've we had did. some giggles. We have. <laughs> we've had some giggles. My goodness. And, me. We, and we still do. We still we do, do now. Yeah. Yeah. I just I just know. was what just flashed into my head. You know, this is backtracking a bit. But when you had the when you did a little band in a concert once with Andy Hooks and Dave Shaw. Oh, do you, <laughs> do you remember? remember? That? <laughs> I think Dave says. Greg will count us in because he's the, I'm math, the math teacher. teacher. Oh. <laughs> but even then, that was a long time ago now. Wasn't it? Well, that was a many years ago because Dave hasn't been with us for a long time. You know, no, he's on to better no. things. You know, and Andy Yokes yeah. as well. Fair play to him. A real gent, the pair of them. Yeah. You know? Well, we just had oh. Mary, Mary's, uh, Mary and Maddie have gone now, haven't they? I think That's Mary's right. in year 11, yeah. so she's now left. Sixth so form. She's just, uh, Great yeah. rowers as yeah. well. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Time just skips by so quickly, you know. It, it really, does, really does you know? And, and of course, that brings us to the the decision that you made a couple of years ago to to reduce down to part time to go and focus. Yeah, on Gary's yeah. business. And How did yeah, you find right. that that change from well full time yeah, school to? Well, it was a weird transition because I decided to uh, you know uh, to to finish off the pastoral, and at the same time, so we went together, which was a good mm -hmm. thing. There was a you know it was a joint effort there, and the. At the same time, nip down to part time on 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 on, on the maths teaching as well, and uh, you know helping out my, my wife's business and, and and trying to develop it and and looking after some of the marketing and the online and the accounts and what have you. And the transition was taken from a manual account system into a more automatic system and more online system, and and that's been good and it's been very satisfying and invoicing via that, and it's a part of me that. Is getting back to what I did before. It's it's putting some of that accounts that that I did, yeah. you know, masters in a way back in. Yeah. Um, yeah. But still holding on to lots of the maths, and it's interesting that you should mention there, um, and just speaking to some of my colleagues this morning about uh, about maths in 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 various careers, and I, I want to see if I can, you know, contact some of my past pupils who are doing wonderful things, you know, and oh. some of them mathematically related. In yeah. order to have, you know, you know, uh, maths in in different careers like yourself, the music yeah, and careers, and what you can vouch for there, yeah. and and I mean yeah. making that transition for me now, I'm putting into practice some of those concepts. I could even contribute into aspects of that for our department, so I can go on and tell the A level and GCSE kids yeah. of what we're doing currently in the curriculum pays dividends in the real world. Whenever you want to get out there, because you need Absolutely. to have this functionality, you need to have these skills in order to make money, in order to work. So, Absolutely. you know, so that, I mean, that transition for me, it was, it was satisfying in one aspect, 
frustrating than another because I was jumping into something that I was so unsure of. Uh, obviously, my wife, you know, her, you know, uh, rapport with, with, with her clients is thoughtless. You know, they're, they're almost like good friends. And I was trying to jump into that. And they were kind of thinking, well, who is this guy? <laughs> you know, that I'm speaking to. And, they were, and not, yeah. not only that, but my wife has got numerous designers that work for her. And uh, they work on a freelance basis. So she takes her artwork to America and Europe and different places. And, and, yeah. uh, and, and having them to respect me a little bit and trust them and being yeah. able to, you know, you know manipulate their images for, for illustration in order to package it for clients, in order to market it for clients, in order to package it for, for website design and stuff like that. So that mm. was still very much, you know, trading in eggshells for me. I didn't know what was going on. So mm. that learning curve was very, very acute. And that for the first, you know, couple of years, you, you know, I'm getting a little bit better at it now. I'm trying to manipulate some of these images, but still, you know, using Premiere Pro and using Photoshop and using Illustrator, I, you know, I go all around the houses rather than, you know, yeah, where Jerry yeah. would, would, would be able to articulate better in, in all of those mm. suits and software, you know. But, but definitely, I mean, I think, oh, I mean, obviously for the music as well, it gives me more time to explore that aspect, uh, yeah. you know, try not to eat into that time, but, you know, still to develop the music, which is very good, you know, so it gives me Did a little you... bit more time for that. Did you find at first that you were sneaking back into some schoolwork on days you shouldn't be? I was, be? yeah. Because I've, I've struggled yeah. with that in a big yeah, way. I spoke I, about that, yeah. I, in fact, I don't think it's possible to do what I do on yeah. the days I'm employed for. <laughs> I don't... Well, this is it, absolutely, right? I, I mean, for the, for, the first, for the first year, I always have, you know, the, the email open, you know, on my screen. Uh, and I would be answering things going back and forward. And then I spoke to a few other colleagues that had gone part-time and they says, Greg, you're breaking the golden rule here. You know, yeah. you, shouldn't be, you shouldn't be doing that because you're not paid for that. And, and then you say to yourself, well, it's going to make me fall back because on the days that I should be in teaching and all the rest of it, I'm going to go back and answer all those emails. Yeah. But now yeah. what I'm trying to factor in, and I, I mean, it's like yourself, I dare say you struggle yourself. It's, it's making enough time that in your part-time position that you can answer those emails. So what I, what I do now is I tend just to glance to the eye, but if it's, if it's something that isn't critical, I'll leave it to the days that I'm in teaching. If it is critical, then I, you know, I'm, I'm respecting my colleagues enough to say, well, I can help them. I've got a bit of time now. I'm sure I can do it just with a flick of a switch and a couple of sentences will remedy, you know, uh, will remedy any fix that they want. And sometimes mm -hmm. that's better to do it currently rather than waiting, you know? So, yeah. So yeah, because like yourself. even though, you know, it's not something that you're getting paid for, the, the anxiety it can create if you don't Absolutely, address yeah. it can almost be worse in some ways. Absolutely. But yeah, right, it's, been, yeah. it's been difficult for me too, you know, making that changeover from very, very mm. full-time into, into a part-time role. Into part-time, um, yeah. Here we are. I mean, you're, you're going to see year three in September of part-time are you yeah that's right yeah you too so um are you i mean are you, are you going to do the similar thing then are you next yeah, year do you think or yeah? i think so yeah there's there's um, good good there's been some conversations about wanting to try if possible to integrate drama and music more moving forward oh okay try, uh, right. you know, but that's just at the at the talking stage at this point and there's right. a few things so, still yeah. i want to do there's a few things i quite like to do still in school but yeah, but it's it's such it's it's a, it's a, it's a great team, and and at the moment we've got Mark and and Matt Cook, who's a oh, great yes. sound engineer, yeah. as well, and we're well, blessed I, in that we can do this. I, I know, yeah, I know, I know Mark very well. He's a close friend, and uh, you know, recently had a big birthday there as as we congratulated him. 
but he's got a heart of gold. He's been doing music with me for the past five years, pretty much. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's almost five years. It's five years in September, really. And yeah. uh, on and off, he's been there to help and assist and mix and produce and all the rest of it. And very, very, very clever, very articulate in what they can do musically and a wizard at whatever yeah. he puts his mind to, you know. So Absolutely. definitely, you know, I've, I've yet to know more about Matt, but you've introduced me to him there. Way back yeah, in March. he's yeah. The, he's the um, well, he's, he's mainly the sound engineer at the rigger. That's where he is permanently. Yeah. But he knows Mark. He has a studio in Stoke. And oh, I think lovely. Some talk of him moving in into Mark's new place with, with him. Oh, fabulous. I think he completes. Um, yeah, this week he mentioned. New, that's right. The oh. new building. So uh, it to be. But we, we were so fortunate in that we've got the two best sound, sound engineers in Stoke working at St. Joseph's with us. Absolutely right. Really. Yeah. And that, that, that you know, inspires me to, you know, to yeah. want to go on and do things as well. But I think, I mean, I think part of that reason is that they know that you're at the helm, you know, so you I mean, you've got to give well, a little bit of cred there to yourself too, fella. That's kind of you. I know you don't like to, but well, there's a reason that these people gravitate towards yeah. you. I don't know if you realise this yet or not. You know? <laughs> we've, got to, we've got to try and control the stress levels, haven't we? A bit well, that's we, do, we do, we you do. Know? Yeah. How do, how well, do you... I think that's the beauty, you know? Yeah. I think, I think the beauty is if you can get really good players on your team, you know, you know, you're on for a good thing. No, absolutely. You can spoil them and treat them, you know, uh, you know, yeah. with respect and 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 know that they they are the best and appreciate and tell them so as well. It's oh, absolutely, fun, absolutely, you know? Greg. If we yeah. do, if we do one of those huge masses that we do in the sports hall, which mm -hmm. is not a place, mm -hmm. it's not designed for live music in there. It's we've not, we've no. no, you know, we've no, we've we've no business being in there really. But if I know, I know Mark, if I know Mark Eaton's out front on the desk, I have no worries. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what the grumpy guy in the frock has to say up no, front. There, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't make any difference if, if because I there, know it's it's yeah, going to be it's going to yeah. sound good up front, which is what you know. But I mean, it can I, be I, it can be very stressful if um, that's true. That's if you've not got because I, the, the, the the sound is your link with the audience, isn't it? It's absolutely. your link with the listener, whether yeah. it's you know an audio. And I, I think as well, Craig, if you if you remember, you know. Uh, three of the, the wheels might have come off the wagon and in our assemblies and most thirsty mornings but whenever Mark was behind the curtain he was like yeah. the Wizard of Oz there wasn't yeah. he he was pulling <laughs> the levers and spinning the wheels and what have you yeah. and uh, if he was behind we were invincible weren't we Absolutely. we could do anything we wanted yeah. to do we you could know, we could talk as much nonsense as we liked. We could carry on <laughs> 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 and you know, oftentimes did Absolutely. Talking yeah. of stress, there, Greg. Tell me how how do you de-stress? How is how how, how do you switch off completely? Oh, I'll you tell do? you, fella. I know that. I know that. It's a you know. I mean, you you and I have often talked about you know having having our music as a release, having our family, having our friends, having all these things as as a catalyst, as a link, in order to to turn the off switch. And for for me, I I um I'd be lost without music, you know, I'd be lost without creating, I'd be lost without having something to turn to where I can, you know, lift a guitar or have a little play on the piano and you know, and I can I cannot play any of them. I, I know about yeah. three chords and three <laughs> notes, but if you whistle me a tune, I'll be able to harmonize and fire a few yeah. lyric lines to it. But but for me, you know, nothing would please me more is after a day at school or, or, or a day with family and friends and coming up, I've got a, I'm blessed to have a, a third story studio in my house where, where Jerry has her office and next to her I have another office. And as you've been there before, you've recorded yeah, yeah. me, you know, sure. and you've recorded with me and, and, and I left the acoustic guitar 
and, and if something comes, I can turn it on and it just blanks my world out. I could start at 10 o'clock at night and carry on to two in the morning. And, and, and it's like a, it's a, it's a, yeah. it's a click of a switch almost. And that just takes me back to, to listen to Springsteen and yes. Christy Moore and the Black Velvet Band and the four of us, Bob Kennedy, back in Belfast or back in America where we've done some traveling and going to see live bands. Or, or, you know, or listen to Calexico's new album or listening to some new stuff on the radio or anything. And, and to know that I've created something. It has to be original. I mean, I've never been able to lift a guitar or, or lift a saxophone, as you know, I used to do a little mm. bit and, and start to emulate something that I think is already perfect. And I, I wouldn't even challenge yeah. myself to better that. Whereas you, on the other hand, you can, you can lift an arrangement, you can modify it, you can tweak yeah. it, you can spin it. You can turn it on its head. But for me, I see that as the gospel, as that canvas, and, and I, I can't better it. So I try, I try to go off at a tangent and think for myself. And I try not to listen to too much music these days. I try not to get involved with too much because I feel that uh, it rubs off on me. I try to copy it sometimes. There's some part of me that feels that inherently I want to copy it. So I try not to listen to too much and I yeah. click off from it. But that's my release. That's my de-stress. Yeah. That's something that, that, that I feel I need to do. And I always, every room that I'm in in the house, there's always an acoustic guitar. Yeah. If, you know, I always have something there uh, where I can lift and double. And I'll, I'll have a little, little dictaphone or a little app on, on the phone where whenever I do a little lick or a little harmony, I record it there and then. Uh, I've got okay. thousands right. and thousands of hard drives of this, of thousands of songs, most of them rubbish, you know, maybe you get about one out of every hundred, you know, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. worth anything, you know, but that's what I do, you know. I that's think, I, I think that, that stress and pressure brings out the worst and the best in some people. So it would mm. be interesting because some, some people yeah. write and, you know, perform better when the back's against the wall. But I wonder what life would be like if, yeah. you, hadn't got, if you hadn't got your music, it would. If you didn't have that, you, you oh would, God. You would, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't be the individual. I, I, even at school, Craig, you know, whenever things can get a little pressured, you know, you've always tried to, to think of that other person. You know, you, mm. you, you try to say, how is that going to be received? How do you want them to perceive, yeah. you know, what, what you're talking about? And, and, and you, you know, I used to discuss this often, you know, we, we try to have, you know, to raise that antenna and to realize that there's, there's much more to this. There's this whole self-awareness of everything that you're getting involved with and sometimes to I mean it's like everything you can be oversensitized with these things but you've got to break it down and say no you know let's see how the other thing is going to be received let's see how people are going to interpret what you're doing what you're saying and sometimes that to me that is is the part that will allow you to de-stress you, you know what I'm absolutely. saying absolutely no I do you, absolutely. you know you, 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 you're, you're yeah. almost trying to think well how is that going to be perceived by someone else? Let's put their feelings first. And by doing that, you start to think not for yourself and what, what's important in your heart and your head doesn't become important anymore, but it's how that other person is going to receive you has got a little bit more emphasis and that distracts more than anything. It's almost yeah. like this suit of armor that you talk about. It's yeah. a distraction. It's the humor 
that goes into that that Absolutely. seems to, to work you know you know and that, that, that's you know we all develop our own coping strategies don't we we do don't we we do absolutely and, and, right you and, know? And, and, uh, i was i try i try to not dwell too much on the past or the future try to focus on yeah what's being the now, real in this, in the, the present, present moment yeah 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 if you can just stop and look and listen and and, and be still within yep. the present moment then i think absolutely that, right that does center you sometimes doesn't it it does it you does. know when times are and, tough when times yeah. are difficult um definitely um and I, I think also Craig, just just i mean realizing just you know where you are i mean you, you talk about the present and not not going over the past because you can't sort any of that out and the future is yet to happen so it's living for this minute isn't it and appreciating mm. just who you've got in the conversation with you like now yeah you yeah. know it's, it's like Absolutely. you're on a screen across the way from me now and i often said this about about some friends and and you know and, and mark's birthday party there mentioned that whenever you're on a conversation and like yourself you know that you know that that channel is 100 devoted you know there, yeah. there, there's no there's no one else talking to me i've got my headphones on i know that yeah. you're giving me the 100 percent concentration and i'm devoted to you at this point in time in exactly yeah. the same way and that's that's quality this is what it's about isn't it Absolutely. you know it, it's, it's, it's this business as of artists playing in their in in their living rooms and you're having that personal audience it's it's not CD sales or download streams, but being in the audience and being precious to them, and devoted to that one hundred percent concentration that they're devoting to you and you then, and that to me is the most important thing, you know. And that, that's it's it's hard to get away from the past and to be thinking of how things are going to be perceived in the future, but just living for the now, as you say, priceless, Absolutely. you know. There's a, really there's a guy um, there's a guy I watch on YouTube a lot. He's named John Butler. And he's an elderly uh -huh. chap and he, he says this thing about he says keep your feet on the ground your bum in the chair uh, stop and look and listen i love that i love Focus that on what's happening now uh, and it's, what, what's his name craig john john butler? john butler if you if you he's um i'm gonna google him his yeah, channel like the sound is, of this fella. his channel is called spiritual unfoldment now he's a wee bit mm. religious for me you know me and god are not okay on great well terms. i know but sometimes you don't you don't get on well, well we don't really but but um he he says some really insightful things and if you look he's mm. a, you know he's an elderly chap and he's lived a really interesting life but he, he always comes yeah. back to uh, feet on the ground yeah. bottom on the chair look and listen focus yeah. on what's around you that does i i, I find that's kind of sense well it's me. a it, it's it, it that sort of earths you i mean it's a it's like what yeah. my dad used to say you know you have two good things in this life and one is a good bed and one the second one's a good pair of shoes if you're not yeah. in one you're in the other you know you need a, well there's um, there's nothing true. there's nothing more still and present than the earth beneath our feet it's, it's Absolutely the most still right. thing there is whether you live in a, a yeah. tall building or yeah you know, whatever. and and i mean i mean oftentimes you used to tell me in the in the pastoral office you'd say greg you know look at such and such you know uh, uh, you'd say they sometimes they don't have time to even stop to smell the roses, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and and, and I've yeah. used lots of your turns of phrases in lots of my lyrics, you know. Uh, yeah. I've, I've always jotted them down. As soon as you left the office, I take my pen out and go, <laughs> or I put that on my phone and write them down. And those gold nuggets. Gold you know, nuggets. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, a lot, a lot of the time in assemblies, we, we, we're done where the, everything was focused for the child, for the pupil, and would say, you know. Oftentimes, there's lots of what you'd said that I'd go away and jot down and, 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 and characterize it and, and build it into a lyric line or build it into a personality in a song, you know. And, That's and lovely. That's to, to this day, I still do. As I say, I've got hard drives full of this rubbish, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
Absolute drivel. Absolute drivel. But you know, I'm sure you know we used to have people uh, who come into the office, and I'm sure you've, I'm sure you know you you, you meet people in everyday everyday life who, even though they're standing in front of you and they're there talking to you, their mind is somewhere else. They're not, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're talking to you, but they're thinking, yeah. well, if I could only, if I could only be they're there or do this. About, or, yeah, yeah uh, they're, they're, could, all, they're, they're, they're thinking about what, what they need to buy for the barbecue tomorrow because the weather's yeah. nice or, or how they're going to make their way around the supermarket and the one-way system. They're all, they're not even on the same page as you. Absolutely. And, and you often know that if, if the eye contact isn't there and they're not devoted to what you're saying and you, them, well, the channel isn't open. You know, no. and therefore they're not even their their antenna is up, but they're not receiving. Am I right? I mean, have we heard right. that a few times before? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, transmit and receive. You know, transmit and receive. You know, yeah. you have to have both. Otherwise, you're not going to get through to anybody. You know, and absolutely. And that's part. That's part of this world. And 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 it's a quality time. And you come away from the conversation. I mean, it's like it's like the band that I'm in. You know, we've got a thread and we message. And I said, to hell with this. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I'm starting to lift the phone now and saying, hey, fellas, how you doing? Oh, and, nice. and, you're, and you're there for a half an hour, 45 minutes talking away. Yeah, seeing how they're doing. And you're not worrying about a thread and how it's perceived. You're not worrying yeah. about anything. There's no illusions. But you're lifting the phone or you're, you're talking on Zoom and, and you're trying to connect. And if anything, this pandemic has, is, 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 is put right some of these inconsistencies, these aspects where there's always a hidden agenda, there's always a barrier, there's always an, an innuendo, there's always something else there. And by lifting the phone and having the conversation and saying, how are you doing? Or even yeah. going around to your neighbours, even if it's over a fence and talking to someone and making eye contact, you know, something like that is, is so precious. And that's what people oh, yeah. need now. I mean, if, I mean, we are a social race. We're, all these partitions that are put up these boxes that we have to stand in, these plastic screens we've got to look through, you know, we need to break them down some way. And we, the way we do it is by reaching out and, and talking not through the head, but through the heart. And if anything, this pandemic has taught us a little bit how to get closer, you know? I think so. Yeah. And, and, and that's what it's all about, you know? The sky really is really bluer, is. The, the air is cleaner. Absolutely. Yeah, isn't it? Absolutely you know, right, you know? We're talking more you know? to our immediate neighbours. We're thinking we are more in the presence. I mean, there's been an awful, right. awful amount of people who've, who've lost their lives in the most tragic circumstances yeah. here. But out, that. out of that, that, as you say, is, is, is some yeah. kind of positivity, I guess. I know that. That's true. Um, and I, I think sometimes whenever you think that, you know, you, you, you have a friendship with someone, you know, and be it through music, be it through work or whatever, to devote some time to give to them, you know, over a coffee. I mean, as you used to say to me, you know, you know, oftentimes just sit down in a room with someone, have a, have a, have a, have a mug of coffee or a mug of tea and mm -hmm. devote that time to them is the most precious thing that you have done yeah. that day. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And, and they're going to get in their cars, they're going to drive away, they're going to talk that evening and say, listen, I had a great chat with Greg or Craig today or whatever. And, and you know, and the time you've devoted to them might be over a photocopying machine or, or doing something else, but you know you've stopped and made some time. And if, if anything I've learned, you know, in the, in, the, in the college, you know, that I work and I'm privileged to work in, honored to work in, a, in an environment like that, people do give you the time. And that makes the whole, the whole experience far more superior than you could ever devote. You know, you know, it's something like that. And as you say, you know, to be on this earth, you know, as John Butler says, you know, with feet firmly planted on the ground, yeah. to, to, ex to experience that time with somebody else, that's very, very precious. 
and it's something that we've got to hear. We, we mustn't walk away, we mustn't busy ourselves, but we must make time. And if anything, this pandemic has showed us just how we've got to do more of this. You know, it really, really has. Absolutely. I think on you those know? wonderful, wise words, we were, it might be a good time now to, because to, we're, we're going to focus on part one of part two of the Greg okay, Murray story cool. next time, okay. which is all, right. all about all about the music and the seven wonders. But before that, Greg, I Let's want to ask you that. something okay. now. I, I ask every podcast guest this, this question. This is the same. Uh-huh. This is the, the one universal question. Is there something that you believe to be true that others would disagree with? in this world is there something that you believe to be true mm. that others now you're a, a man of faith i know that mm. Mm. Um, you, know, yeah. you know i've had some interesting answers to this one but yeah i mean a lot of people contest the fact that you know whether there's a heaven a hell a god a devil and i mean i've always as you say i, I have been a, a catholic from inherent way 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 back and i feel that you know oftentimes you get uh, you get people come on in the media. You get people, learned people, you know, uh, and they'll contest different things and they'll say, "Well, you know, why is such and such died because of this?" And you know, they had done no one any harm. And what happened to that child in Africa, who's been starved to death, and all the rest of it? And then people will will offer reasons for for having a faith, for having a God. And all, I mean, I, I, I do believe myself there, there is a higher order. Now, whether it's a thinking skill, whether it's a higher order aspect of our universe that we can't even tap into and never will, and you know, but I do believe there is some sort of good and bad and a choice that you are challenged to make. And whether it's a good choice that you make to help other people or hinder other people, or whether it's a bad choice, and equally it'll have its divides. But I feel that whenever you are given this choice, there is an aspect of your very inner being that is prompting you to do that, you know? And the fact that there's a higher order thinking skill in yourself in order to make that decision, this is, I mean, whether it's karma, whether it's religious, I don't know, I don't know. But I do believe firmly that, you know, uh, you know, conversations from people, I mean, I mean, just to quote one, uh, you know, it was my father-in-law's, uh, just before Christmas, he died, died of cancer. And uh, and likewise with my dad, it's a similar sort of thing. But, you know, as I was there carrying the coffin, you know, the rain came on and and it teamed it down. It teamed it down. We were drenched through, you know, suits on, looking pristine. And as we marched up this road, and, and I thought to myself, in the name of God, you know, if there is a God, you, you would give us some grace in order to get this man into the grave so we're not all soaked through. And, and, and those trivial little things like this makes you feel low, makes you feel morose, somber, saddened, as if there's nothing else that you know, can go wrong. And then all of a sudden, you, you know, uh, the guy who was heading the procession, he turned around to me and he tapped me on the shoulder <clears throat> and, and he made a little quote and, and he said something along the lines. Now, I didn't, get a, I didn't have my phone at the time, but he, he said, uh, happy the corpse on which it rains, you know, or something similar to this. And Alice says, where is this coming from? And, and he said, oh, it's an old Irish proverb. And he actually dictated this as an Irish, uh, you know, in, in, in his native tongue, in Irish. 
And I just filled up out of the blue. I just filled up out of the blue and I started getting so emotional. And he looked at me and he says, Greg, it's a good day. It's a good day, fella. It's a good, good day. And, uh, and then uh, he, he could see, you know, um, you know, that I was, I was emotional. And he says, do you want me to take the coffin? And I says, no, 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 fella. It's okay. It's okay. And I, I got the most elated feeling of positivity it just came over me. You know, wow. I, I, th I thought of my own dad. I thought of my father-in-law. And I could see both of them in this man's face whenever he said this to me. And the, this is it, you know. And, and for people to experience these little things, there is a higher order. There's something else that besides everything in our earthly treasures, and those could be relationships and friends and, and everything that we've got here. But there's something else behind all of this, like the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain, pulling the levers and twiddling the... the, the the wheels and what have you uh, and you realize no until you start to experience some of these things yourself then you won't know and no one can argue the turn for you no one can turn to you and say well that's dead on that's lovely but i don't believe in it and you're fine that's fine you know but until you start experiencing these and that's only one of many that i've had you know i, I don't want to bore you any more about them craig and you know we've talked lots of experiences that we've had in this in this sort of realm but I, I feel that whenever you've made that choice and you can either feel no it's horrible it's doom and gloom it's negativity where there's death in this world there's turmoil in this world there's also choices to believe in there's better there's there, there, there's a right way of going there's a bad way of going there's a karma that you can take in both directions and until you realize that yourself and experience some of these things you don't really need to make any decision you don't need to persuade anybody else you don't need to worry about anyone else's thoughts in those processes and you begin to respect those people now whether they're religious fanatics or, or maybe they've turned the cloth it doesn't matter but they've obviously had a higher order of thinking in order them for them to devote their lives to that and you respect that and that's that that's something that you know that you know i wouldn't ask or try to change anyone's opinion or or challenge them but until you start to experience some of these things yourself firsthand, then you'll know more about it and you can speak more about it. And by you speaking to other people like this, possibly, I don't know, then you start to appreciate, yes, there's something that's touched that person that's made them think this way. And, and you know, a lot of the time I will then turn a lyric, I'll, I'll turn a melody or, or something like that in order to, to take some of this and try to translate it into something. And, and, and not to forget that experience. And, and that means that that experience is a catalyst for something else. You know, and that's, that's how I feel, you know. About, but it's like, what a, what a great question, fella. You know, curveballs all around the place. What a, what a wonderful answer. It's, um... <laughs> oh, you're kind, you're kind, fella. Yeah, you're very welcome, Greg. So, so far we've listened today to Who Would Have Thought of Sending Flowers? We've listened to The Pain and the Glory. And I think we'll end part one of this interview with World Steeler. Thanks very much, Greg.
blitzkrieg in time.